Everyone talks about Samsung's flagship phones, like its Galaxy S21 or its Z foldable line, but not everyone needs to spend $1,000 on a phone. Fortunately, there are options for you. I'm Roger Chang, and this is our Daily Charge. Here to talk about the Samsung Galaxy A52 5G, there's a mouthful, is CNET phone reviewer Patrick Holland. Welcome, Patrick. Welcome. Or hello. Wait, I'm, I'm, thanks for having me. Welcome. <laughs> so tell me about the Galaxy A52 5G. Well, as you've stumbled so well on the name, uh, I have a feeling <laughs> every budget phone's challenge is to have the worst possible name because some of these budget phones I'm from Motorola, OnePlus and Samsung have like these letters and numbers and then all of them have to have 5G at the end now. 2021 has unofficially been the year of budget 5G phones here in the US and there are so many good ones. Uh, there's excellent ones from Motorola. There's excellent ones from OnePlus. Uh, TCL has some really good ones. And the idea is they're under $500. So you're going to have like some that are $400, some that are $350. And I think there's even ones that approach $200. And this is before they get discounted. Um, what's right. interesting about the Galaxy A52 5G is it uh, the, the sales price is $500. So it's at the high end of that quote unquote budget phone market. Uh, but Samsung sells it for $425. That is, uh, that's nice considering that's, you know, like half the price of its standard flagship phone. Uh, talk a little bit about just the A series in general. I think just to give listeners some context of what that is, because I think everyone knows that the, the Galaxy S line, that's the, the top tier line. What is the A line? Yeah, the A line, uh, for lack of a better description, is their affordable line. It's their phones that are targeted that aren't going to cost $1,000 or uh, and their prices in the U.S. range from a couple hundred dollars up to about 500. Mm. What's interesting is they haven't always sold a series devices in the U.S. It wasn't um, 2020 was the first year they did that. And the I'm going to mess the stat up, but essentially the A51, the predecessor to this phone was their best selling phone, sold more right. than the um, ultras, the folds, all those things that we like to talk about. Um, and that's probably going to be the case with the A52 5G. It'll be the phone that more people buy because it has half the price, if not more so, but it definitely has a lot more than half the features. In fact, there's features on this phone that some of those more expensive phones don't have. Ooh, so let's talk about that. What are, well, I guess for you, if, if you were to sum it up to like a top feature on this phone that's worth talking about, what would that feature be? Yeah, the top feature on the phone, um, and that's a good point. All these budget phones have that big feature they go around. For Motorola, that's the battery. Uh, mm -hmm. For like the Google Pixel 4a 5G, which is probably the biggest competitor to this, it's the yeah. camera. You have a flagship camera. On this phone, it's the display. This is not the same display as the Galaxy S21, but for $500, it is outstanding. And it has 120 hertz refresh rate, has amazing mm -hmm. brightness, which is not something you see on budget phones. And it's just, and it, it, the package looks, uh, the body of the phone, the design of the phone looks unified in ways that other budget phones are not. Well, it's interesting they chose to go with display because I think for a lot of folks who are, are looking at phones, regardless of how much they want to spend, they, they care a lot about the camera. So talk a little bit about the A52's shooter. <laughs> I, here's where, if there is one sloppy place uh, mm -hmm. Samsung has mm -hmm. made, is we see this with other budget phones too, is like, oh man, if we tell you that there's one camera on there, you're not going to buy it. If we told you there was two, you'll buy it. There are five cameras on this. And I want to <laughs> emphasize, as your laugh indicates, yet more cameras is not, 
is not a good thing unless they're all really good cameras. So what do we have on this phone? We have the main camera, which uh, is 64 megapixels. It does pixel binning, which if our listeners don't know, it takes multiple pixels, combines them together. And what that does is gives you a brighter image. It keeps the details and the image noise very low. So you get really good shots off the main camera. And I really like the photos from this phone. But then there are things like one of the cameras, it's a depth sensor. Are you going to take photos with a depth sensor? Absolutely not. But you use it for things like portrait mode or one of the things they've added is a thing called fun mode. It's actually in the camera. It says fun. And what they've done is basically take Snapchat, actual like branded Snapchat AR filters and put them right in the camera. So if you're maybe on the older side of people like uh, myself and maybe you don't want to deal with Snapchat, you can still get those fun filters and you become a brunette woman with glasses or you have crazy like magic stuff on your head and it's right there in the camera. And it's using that depth sensor. But the other one they have on the back is a macro camera. And I don't know why people keep on adding these macro cameras. Like, do, would you ever take a macro photos with your phone, Roger? Not really. No. <laughs> I, I think I would take one and the novelty would wear off. Exactly. And if, the, and if that photo was not a great quality, you'd probably be discouraged from experimenting more. And I think that's the case we see and whoever makes these camera modules is probably making a kill. I'm like, Hey, you could tell people you have uh, four cameras on the back. You're like, well, actually two of them you're not going to ever use. And then there's the ultra wide camera, which isn't as great as the main camera, but still pretty mm-hmm. good. And Samsung was one of the first to really nail that kind of perfect uh, wideness uh, for lack of a better term of being a little uh, dramatic of a perspective without it being too much. Got it. So that, I mean, that is a summon block. If, if you are someone who cares about photos, I mean, this is not necessarily the phone for you. This is what I would say is um, I alluded to like Motorola have like, has like the best battery and the Google Pixel 4a 5G and it's a camera or heck, even the iPhone SE, that's not a 5G phone has a better camera system. But mm. I think Google and Apple success speak more to what they're able to put into a version of a low cost phone Whereas for Samsung, it's just a really well-balanced phone. For the majority of people I imagine are buying this phone, this camera is more than great. You could do 4K video. There's steady okay. shot for HD. And uh, you're not going to use the macro camera. If you do, send your macro photos. Please send them to Samsung. Let them know that you're using that because I don't think they do. But for that's the balance I'm talking about. That display is the thing that sticks out a bit. You're like, wow, that's really, that's the big feature that sticks out. And all this other stuff is just really well thought around around it. You're going to have a uh, good processor speed. You have actually very good battery life. Is it breaking the records that Motorola did? Nope. Does the camera break the records that Google did? Nope. But it's still a really good all-around phone. Well, you talked about a lot of the positives. What about the negatives? What, what compromises have to be put in place to keep that price down $500? And, well, I think one of the negatives for me, if, if, you, if you hadn't noticed, was the macro camera. But actually, yes. that's, I wouldn't say that's... Um, that's a fault of the camera, but maybe a fault of adding or including it. Uh, but there are some negatives. One is there is an on or in-screen fingerprint reader. Now there's two types of fingerprint readers when you put them in screen. One is optical, and that's what this yep. is. And the other is ultrasonic, like we see in like the Galaxy S21 Ultra, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the problem with the fingerprint reader is when, a lot of times, most people are going to be one using their phone one-handed. And when you put your thumb to unlock it, it's really low on the bottom of the screen. Um, so it's this weird location where um, imagine if you are on an iPhone back when they had a home button, the, the home button was just a little bit lower, a little bit higher. It would just be, a, just be a weird to reach. 
And because it's a fingerprint reader, your finger has to land flat on it. So it's really problematic in the sense of getting it to unlock on the first fingerprint try. So most of the time I'm swiping up and entering my pin number. Wow. Wow. That yeah. is definitely an indictment on the, uh, the fact that of the usability, if you've got to insert a pin number. And I want to say this though, that I, um, I acknowledge my hands are large and that that might not be a problem for some people. It might be perfectly placed for other people. And, mm. uh, that's why I don't think it's like a, oh, this is a flawed phone. I just think if you're like me, it's an annoying thing, but the other aspects of the phone that are good really make up for it. And there's some other little things too, um, on the phone that, you know, you, you kind of wish was better. The, it's got a plastic back. I have no problem with plastic on phones. Um, but the material finish is matte, which looks amazing out of the box. I've had it for oh, two months and it looks like it's magnet? been through um, more like a smudge magnet. And it also looks oh. like when you clean it. Yeah. Yeah. And the coating on there feels like it's giving away a little bit. And I know I can already hear people saying like most people have their phones in cases. So again, you have a big hand and you don't like your phone in a case. You could have the same experiences as I am. <laughs> okay. Uh any other, I guess, any other compromises or anything else, red flags that folks should be aware of before? Well, I, I, the, the other part of the name is 5G, and um, it's less of a compromise or um, a negative in the terms of what Samsung did, but I've been testing it on T-Mobile. I'm currently in Greenville, South Carolina. I've tested mm -hmm. other phones from like iPhones to Sony to Asus. And T-Mobile will have this thing where they keep the 5G signal or indicator on the phone but when you're running like a test or you're connected, you're on 4G LTE. And it's that in-between oh. world where things are really services there, services not, you know, versus like just a regular 4G LTE thing, which would be more dependent. Right, right. But that's more T-Mobile, I think. Got it. And the phone is, is it available for all carriers? Is it able to work with, you know, all the, the various 5G networks from the major carriers? <laughs> Absolutely. So in terms of 5G, um, I'm sure listeners of the show are, might have heard there's a thing we call sub six, which is like mid and low band 5G. And there's a thing called millimeter wave, which is the really super fast one, but it's like outside of a stadium or something. So right. uh, this does not have millimeter wave support, but this does have okay. sub six support. And to be honest, as I've reviewed these phones, at first I thought, hey, not having millimeter wave support is a negative, but <laughs> if you don't live next to a stadium or that block in Chicago, then yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think it's a big deal. I don't think it, especially yeah. if, uh, and then the other thing, um, which ties to 5g is Samsung has one of the most outstanding software support mechanisms. So you get three Android OS updates. It comes with Android 11 and it's going to update it, uh, three more times. So what's that? Android or Android 14. Uh, you also get four years of security updates. And why that's important is let's say that 5G does roll out and becomes more robust where you are. Then you know that the software on your phone is going to be able to take full advantage of it and be the most efficient it can be with that um, ever-growing and ever-changing technology. Well, that is good to know. Um, yeah, you, you really you hit upon the really the last question being that is given that 5G is a selling point to folks who are still thinking about upgrading to get 5G, is it is it worth it for that, or would you would you recommend folks just sort of hold off because 5G is <laughs> kind of mad and really depends on where you live, right? You've seen my reviews. Um, I think I don't think there's anything wrong with having a 5G phone that you're buying. I don't think there's anything wrong with um, 5G as um, as a service. I, I I think it's just not like there's not one light switch that turned it all on and it worked everywhere perfectly right away and replaced mm -hmm. 4G. 
Um, that being said, if you are buying this phone purely for the 5G, don't <laughs> or, 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 or do your homework is what I tell people because check with what your carrier has, check what the coverage is like. If you have friends or family who use the carrier and have 5G, what's their experience like? Because for I go back to T-Mobile and I'm not picking on T-Mobile. I was a customer there for years in Chicago, no problems. But here with the 5G, I wouldn't get it on T-Mobile. Maybe mm-hmm. Verizon, which I've also tested 5G on, specifically here in South Carolina, I would. Um, and that might be flipped in a different state, right? It might, T-Mobile might be really robust and, you know, AT&T or Verizon might not be. So that's the, right. the catch. Don't get this for the 5G, but if it has 5G, hey, that's fine. You're going to be future-proof for a while. All right. Uh, and overall, uh, do you recommend this phone and who do you think this ultimately is for? Oh man, that's a really good question. Oh, well, I do recommend the phone. Um, is this the best phone, the perfect budget phone? No but it's well-balanced. And what does that mean? It's going to serve you a long time, whether you're, um, you want to take pictures or videos, uh, play video games on it, or just talk on the phone or surf Instagram and, you know, watch TikTok videos. It could do all those things. Um, as far as who it's for, um, it, that's a th- the, the problem with these phones is they're so, the appeal is so broad. It's much more broad mm-hmm. than something like the S21 Ultra, Um, which you think, well, that's the best phone they make. Wouldn't that be appealing to everyone? It's like, no, not everyone wants to have an expensive phone in their pocket. Um, I think this phone is perfect. I think this is phone. If I wasn't a reviewer, it's something, if I was smart, I would consider versus paying more money for another phone. I could also see it being for like your, your friends and family who really don't care what phone is in their pocket. Um, And I can also see it being for, um, um, younger people, like uh, maybe like a, I, I think it's a thing where, you know, teenagers are getting phones and you have something that is very capable, but it's also not going to break the bank if they break the phone or lose it. And on the flip side, that maybe also I think of like people like my father who are older, um, he would love this phone, I think. Yeah, he would love it a lot. So, yeah. All right. Well, Patrick, thanks for your time. You can check out his story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge. Or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co slash daily charge. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For the Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.